You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your daily routine, whether you're going to work every morning uh, and coming home every afternoon. You can subscribe to us and listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Just hit the subscribe button to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And today's episode of Locked On Kentucky is brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar has a big promotion going on right now. Uh, throughout the month, we've been telling you about Built Bar, and they've had a deal where you can get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Now they've added another $5 off. $5 off. So now you're looking at $15 off. If you use the promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com. All right, Kyle, I hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. It was. Not quite the same as we've had in the past, but because some of the restrictions were lifted, uh, I can tell you what I saw. Uh, there were a lot of people acting like um, restrictions being lifted means, hey, just don't worry about anything anymore. Just back to back to freedom. Just go back yep. to living the way you were. Yep, sun was out. It was a holiday, and it was like uh, coronavirus was over. No, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it was uh, it was wild to drive around and see uh see the scene but uh, hey people are going to make their choices and uh well, you know fingers crossed that everybody comes out all right and we just move on that'd be great yeah. we're certainly we're going to find we're going to find out that's for sure about 2 weeks from now we're going to have some idea whether or not uh we're getting crushed again so yeah well uh, a couple of things over the weekend that tragedy um tragedy and um just unfortunate Events now, Eddie Sutton, the former Kentucky basketball coach, died. Uh, now he is, was I think he's 87, uh, and his health had been. 84. 84. His health had been going downhill for uh, the last few years now. Uh, but then also uh, Kentucky linebacker Chris Oates, um, you know, hospitalized, expected to be moved to a uh, physical rehab facility in the days to come all they would say is that it was not COVID-19 related uh, but very serious news for the Kentucky linebacker Chris Oates so we'll discuss both of those things here on today's Lockdown Kentucky podcast but let's begin with uh, Eddie Sutton and you know you did a piece not too long ago where you were playing the what if game as it related to Sean Kemp but uh, that Eddie Sutton team uh, there were some big what ifs, including uh, Tracy McGrady, who, whose name popped back up again this weekend on social media, where there's a podcast where he was on there talking about he was going to Kentucky uh, to play for Eddie Sutton. Or I guess it was that would have been. No, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been, been Patino. Patino. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. But uh, what do we talk? What do we want to talk about? McGrady or Patino or, uh, or, or Eddie first? Um, we could, we could just slip in the stuff about McGrady first and then we can get into Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, the McGrady thing, Eddie Bauer, Eddie Bauer outfitted, uh, vehicles. Yes. As a yeah. recruiting tool for <laughs> coming to Kentucky. 
Yeah, so I think it's been sort of out there for a while that both Tracy McGrady and Dirk uh, Nowitzki have both said, uh, if I'd gone to college, I would have played uh, at Kentucky. Right. Um, so that's not really news uh, that McGrady went on, uh, I think it's called All the Smoke podcast, mm-hmm. um, and was basically saying that was that's where he would have gone. But the but the why was funny. He said he got on campus, and I guess it was like all those those ninety six era guys, right? Um, I'm trying to remember when McGrady would have been coming out. Um, look him up real quick. But he said that when he got on campus and saw that all the basketball players were driving Eddie Bauer edition, which if you're a young listener, that was like a thing back then. Uh, right. These, uh, these fashion designers were like linking up with. Uh, uh, high-end car dealers and making these signature editions, the Eddie Bauer edition Explorer, right? Was it yes, Ford Explorer Ford, or, ex- yeah, or Expedition Explorer. or maybe have been ex- Expedition even? But it was um, Ford SUVs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and those were like the slick ones. They had the like two-tone leather, the brown and black leather, and mm. they, were tr- they were tricked out the wood grain and all that stuff. Very uh, nice. I, I remember that very well. So that he um, – he was I'm actually wearing a pair of Eddie Bauer shorts at this moment. <laughs> oh, Eddie Bauer still makes great uh, clothing. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of it in my uh, in my closet. He was drafted. <laughs> McGrady was drafted in 97, so he would have been the uh, 96, 97. He would have been on campus arriving uh, the, in the middle year of the three-year run that Kentucky had going to the national championship game. Yeah, he which, said Derek Anderson I mean, was his host. Yeah, so if you think, if you think about like – Kentucky would have won three straight national titles if they had uh, if they had Tracy McGrady. I mean, almost no doubt if you throw Tracy McGrady on that '97 team that lost in the championship game. Um, so that's when he would have been here. But I, I think that is really interesting that he in this podcast said, you know, all these players are driving these luxury SUVs, and then uh, I think Matt Jones amplified a tweet about that, and then in that thread, people were replying, and somebody replied saying. Uh, yeah, I used to work at the car dealership where that was mm-hmm. all going down uh, yeah. there in Lexington. So, um, you know, that was that was a on, by all accounts a clean era of Kentucky basketball. But I, I think at this point we can surmise that most of college basketball over the last you know thirty well probably forever uh, there's been some side dealings going down left and right, and uh, that was an interesting angle there that. Uh, those those mid nineties and the heydays of Patino basketball uh, era players were driving the the best SUVs money could buy. Yeah, or, I mean, or, or not buy, <laughs> not not buy. Yeah, I mean, because I can remember that being a student at the time. I mean, I saw what those guys were driving. I mean, it was, you know, you you see those guys; they're noticeable, they're recognizable. You're going to the same places they go to. Uh, whether it be on campus or off campus at you know the bars and so you see that stuff and i mean i noticed it so um yeah i got i, I got i got no problem with it if, yeah. if it's if it's true good for them you know that I mean those guys were rock stars in the in the 90s uh at no, kentucky and they they brought you know great great fame and fortune on the university i mean they i think that era really cemented Kentucky as, um, you know, uh, uh, an all-time program because yeah. you, you transcend, you go, well, you had, you had Adolph Rupp who won most of their championships. And then 
an eight offer up guy and in, in Joe B. Hall who won another one. And, and then that was kind of it. And there was a drought. Um, when a third coach wins and then a fourth coach and Tubby in short order, and you go, you know, the, that run of when they went to the final four in 93, almost went in 92 and had that unforgettable game against Leitner, went to the final right. four in 94, uh, got to the elite eight, I think in 95, won it in 96 title game in 97 won it in 98 and then what they get knocked out in the elite eight by michigan state in 99 is that right uh i I guess that yeah i can't remember Um, who it was in 99 anyway i mean just that that run of that period of time and those guys really sort of established for it kind of almost forever that Kentucky basketball was sort of a, a legacy program. You know, it wasn't built on any one coach or any one, you know, team or group of guys. I mean, th- it was a it was a forever program. And uh, so if they got free rides or upgraded rides, good for them. Yeah. All right, well, we we didn't really talk about Eddie Sutton at all in that segment. So uh, that, that's what we'll do next when we return here on Locked On Kentucky. But uh, I want to tell you about – Built Bar, and I mentioned in the in the opening there that they have another promotion going on in addition to the promotion already going on. So it had been $10 off. Now it's $10 off plus another $5 off this week only. Uh, also, Built Bar has added four new flavors. They have peanut butter banana. I mean, they should just call that one the Elvis. Uh, pineapple upside down cake. I mean, that sounds interesting. Coconut pecan pie. I got, I've got to try that one. Blueberry lemon. I mean, these are all good. Built Bar comes in 16 different flavors. They taste like candy bars. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. Eight of the flavors, half of them include nuts. And now they have a couple more flavors, one more nut flavor. But then they have another eight flavors, or it looks like now um, 10 that are nut-free and produced in nut-free facilities like this. I mean, this blueberry lemon. Uh, that's got to be great. These aren't chalky tasting. I mean, they're they're more like a candy bar. They really are. However, they are not unhealthy like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low calorie, low sugar, low carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $15 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $15 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. And Kyle, we started out, we mentioned uh, Coach Eddie Sutton uh, passing away. He got was uh, elected, named to the Hall of Fame before, uh, before he passed, but he didn't make it to the induction ceremony that hadn't gotten i don't know when that actually happens but it hadn't happened yet um but w- long overdue i mean yeah. for what this man did at arkansas um and then at kentucky and then at oklahoma state uh he he had he had earned his his right to be in the hall of fame some time ago yeah and uh one one thing i was circle going to circle back to and it'll sort of tie into eddie sutton uh the idea of close calls, uh, that 99 team did lose to Michigan state in the elite eight. And what people forget about that run for Kentucky, uh, is 
that not just the three straight national championships game, games, but if you start in 92 and go through 99, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, eight seasons, they went to the Elite Eight at least seven out of eight years. Good grief. And four Final Fours and three title games and won two national championships. Because they went to the Elite Eight in 99 and after winning the title and, and lost to Michigan State. They had gone in 95 um, to the Elite Eight uh, before they won in 96. And then, of course, they started it all in 92 going to the meeting Duke in the Elite Eight um, before they went to the Final Four the next year. So that, that just really is a crazy run. But then rewinding a little further back and thinking about close calls and talking about Elite Eights, you know, Sutton is is he certainly got into the Hall of Fame on the strength of what he did at Arkansas and Oklahoma State because he took uh, Arkansas yeah. to a Final Four, he took Oklahoma State to two Final Fours. But what's interesting is he in his first season at Kentucky, he took over a team that Joe B. Hawk had coached at an eighteen and thirteen record, which was when it kind of became clear it was it was probably time to step away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that same roster that went eighteen and thirteen went thirty two and four under Eddie Sutton. Um, they won the SEC regular season. They won the SEC tournament. Uh, they were a number one seed. They were ranked number three in the country at the end of the regular season. Yeah. Um, they were one shot away. They had a shot from the logo at the buzzer in the Elite Eight against LSU to to win and go to the Final Four. If he had, if they had won that game, he would have taken three different programs to Final Fours, and he would have gone to Final Fours in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and two thousands. Mm. Um, wow. in every decade for four decades. Um, and it's crazy. You know, one of the things I didn't, you know, way before my time and in, in writing, I'm working on some stuff about Eddie now, kind of remembering his ill-fated time at Kentucky. He was a great coach. And that team was so close to not only making the Final Four, but maybe winning the national title. Because if they had gotten to the Final Four, they would have met Louisville. And they had beaten Louisville that season. Right. Louisville, and Louisville went on to win the national championship. Um I mean, think about that. Kentucky's that much closer to having another national title, but also another coach who won a national title. Uh, and I don't believe any of that got stripped away when the sanctions came down later. I mean, that that would have that title would have counted. Um, and, and what I didn't know about that was Kentucky had swept three meetings with Alabama and swept three meetings with LSU, two regular yeah. season in the SEC tournament, and had to play both of them back to back in the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight. And then had, and, would have had to have a rematch with Louisville. I mean, that's yeah. crazy to me and that so, you're playing. Yes, that, I mean it was. <laughs> it, like yeah, it was. A, it was a crazy. And like Roger Harden, who was the point guard on that team, basically said, you know, that first year under Sutton, all that stuff from the Herald Leader came out uh, about improprieties in the basketball program, and the NCAA investigated. And right before the tournament field was announced, the NCAA came out and said they weren't, they couldn't prove anything, and and they weren't going to punish Kentucky. And he was like, we all knew they were still going to punish us. <laughs> And so their theory yeah. was, you know, you got to play, you got to beat two different teams from your conference for a fourth time each to get just to get to the final four. And yeah. then you get a rematch with Louisville. Um, and, you know, they complained a lot after that season. And I, I believe that the rule changed the next year, uh, because now, you know, we, we know that you, you can't they set it up. So they try to avoid conference teams playing each other in rematches as far as they is for as many rounds as they can get. I think there's a, they can't play in the first, uh, I think they can't meet until the maybe at all until the regional final, uh, something like that now. 
but yeah. uh, but just to to have it set up where you had to be, you had to play them twice um, or play two teams you'd beaten three times already uh, was wild. And LSU just barely beat them, beat them by two points in that game. But that's how close he was to to even getting uh, Kentucky to a, a Final Four or a national championship. And I talked to Kenny Walker, I talked to Roger Harden, talked to uh, Jimmy Dykes who. Uh, played for him at Arkansas yeah. and then coached for him uh, here under him here at Kentucky. And uh, have some, I'll have some memories up uh, of Sutton's time at Kentucky at the athletic tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, or no Wednesday, this is Tuesday uh, on Wednesday at the athletic. So I hope people will read that. But one of the things I thought was cool that uh, Jimmy Dyke said is, you know, if we were down every time in a game at halftime, he would Sutton would lead the team out. And he would turn back to the players before we ran out on the court and say, it's going to be all right. I'm a better coach than that other guy. And, <laughs> and it was true. I mean, he's a great coach. He won 800 games, you know, and he won at places like Arkansas and Oklahoma State that, you know, at Arkansas, Dykes was telling me that Arkansas, uh, when he took over, like they just took the football like field house and like threw a floor down in the winter months so they could play basketball. And there was like sawdust, you know, swirling around uh, mm. in the facility. You know, it was a nothing program. And he, he coached it up and built it up and got them to a final four. And Oklahoma state didn't have, you know, that kind of pedigree. And he took them to two different final fours in the nineties and the two thousands. Um, and so if you thought about, if you think about what he could have done, Eddie Sutton as an X and O coach with the kind of players he was going to get at Kentucky and did get, I mean, there was a stretch where he got he got Rex Chapman, Sean Kemp, Chris Mills, Eric Manuel, uh, Leron Ellis. All those guys were you know McDonald's All Americans. He got a McDonald's All American every year that he was at Kentucky. Um, if he'd been able to stay and there'd been no scandal, they would have won big um, with him yeah. there. And so uh, I thought that was really interesting. You know, it, it's going to be all right. I'm I'm a better coach than the other guy. Good stuff. And that article out tomorrow, you said, on The Athletic? Yes. Yep, Wednesday yeah. on The Athletic. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll discuss um, some unfortunate news for the football team that, my goodness, I mean, this team has just faced uh, so much adversity when it comes to health over the last two years. We'll discuss uh, the latest with Chris Oates when we return here on Locked on Kentucky. <laughs> Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked on Kentucky, and uh, Mark Stoops came out uh, and and mentioned or tweeted uh, asking for people to pray for Chris Oates and his family as it was uh, revealed uh, over this, this Memorial Day weekend, I guess it was on Friday, that uh, Chris Oates had been hospitalized, uh, and that he was expected to be moved eventually to a physical rehab facility. Uh, and that the only thing they would detail wise that they would say about it is it was not related to the coronavirus. Uh, didn't have anything to do with that, but definitely hard, hard news. And uh, for Stoops to, to bring that up. Uh, yeah. You feel like it, it's pretty serious. Uh, and that coming off the heels of, you know, John Schlarman and Josh Paschal, both dealing with cancer over these last couple of years. By the way, there's a story up on ESPN.com. If you haven't seen that, there was some buzz about it on social media. Uh, 
that kind of details Josh Pascal and John Schlarman's battle with cancer. Really good article. Uh, recommend that. Uh, but now with Chris Oates, who was uh, a rising star in the inside linebacker group. I mean, you talk about square and Oates. I mean, those two guys as freshmen got their feet wet and then last season really came on uh, a lot more. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't have Chris Oates, uh, that's, that's definitely a hole there. I mean, first and foremost, thinking about his health uh, and that he, he'll be okay. Uh, but, you know, if he cannot play football or doesn't come back, uh, that he is a big loss for the team. He, he was fifth on the team in tackles. Uh, he was, uh, you know, second among linebackers as far as returning linebackers with Cash Daniel gone. Cash Daniel was third on the team in tackles. But Oates and Square just made such a solid uh, tandem there in the middle for the defense. Uh, Jamin Davis is a guy who's experienced, who's um, gotten more and more time in there, and he plays on the inside. And Jared Casey's a young guy that they wanted to work in and did a little bit as a freshman last year, was able to play without burning his red shirt. Uh, so they do have a couple more guys uh, behind Oates there, but still um, tough for the team. Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, more than anything, tough for Chris Oates. I mean, a young man uh, kind of cut down in his uh, at his peak. I mean, he's super physically fit, uh, what, 21-year-old probably, uh, mm-hmm. junior. Um, guy they've been high on since the day he got to campus, and he's just gotten better and better. I think he had 44 tackles, something like that, last season. and um, I think he was fifth on the team in tackles. Yeah. Um, started a few games, I think th- maybe three games last year. Um, he, you know, would have been a huge part of what they were going to do moving forward. And, and, and I don't know what the future holds. Everything I gather is this is serious enough that he's certainly not expected to play this season. Um, I, I think everybody's just hoping he makes a recovery, um, you know, and can live a good life. Um, this was a, a very serious thing that happened. Um, and it is cra- I mean, it really is jarring um when you think about john shorman gets diagnosed with a, a serious uh, form of cancer and and they were really 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 concerned about you know his future and, and I'm, I'm i'm sure remain so he's still i think getting treatment off and on to control that um you know and then josh pascal finds a spot on his foot that's kind of irritating him and won't go away and they turn it out turns out to be a very serious form of skin cancer and and he battles that for over a year uh and then to have this happen um just really sort of out of the blue um all in the span of you know a year and a half two years is is maybe it's not unusual but it feels really it feels like a high rate of uh, for uh, you know when football programs that are full of mostly young healthy men um kind of abnormal um but thinking and praying for uh Chris Oates cuz that from what i gather was a very situ- scary situation I, I think from a team perspective uh it hurts them for sure uh significantly but they um uh, this is about as well built of a roster as they've ever put together um you know, they've really formed some depth and recruited over the years. Um, I actually have a piece coming out Friday. We'll talk a lot more about um, our state of the program series that the athletic is rolling on and Kentucky is up next. And I uh, spent some time talking to 
to Mark Stoops about that and about the idea of building. And uh, if you think about last year, you know, the 10 win season felt so big for everybody for Kentucky. But to me, what happened last year going into the year, I thought whatever happens this year is the, it will tell the tale Uh, Mm -hmm. because you know, you lose Benny Snell, your all-time leading rusher. You lose Josh Allen, your all-time leading sack and tackles for loss guy and national defensive player of the year. You lose your entire secondary, your top six defensive backs. Um, your top six. Yeah. Your top six defensive yeah. backs. You know, uh, you lose uh, an All-American offensive lineman, Bunchy Stallings. Um, I mean, you, you lost a ton from that team, and, and that's where the whole world is looking to go. They were probably – that was they built up, you know, for years to this one shining moment, and that was the crescendo, and, you know, they're going to go right back to being a doormat. They were, they were flashing a pan. How could they – how could a program like Kentucky replace all of that Five NFL draft picks. I think nine guys signed NFL contracts. I mean, just an un, an absurd amount of talent for Kentucky to have in the first place and to lose all at once. Um, and then start the season with that disadvantage, and then within a month you've lost both your quarterbacks and you move mm-hmm. a wide receiver yeah. to quarterback. I think what they did in winning eight games last year with all of those circumstances um, – established really more than the 10 win season. Like this program is here to stay and they've really built something. And so now I think they go into this season. We talked a couple podcasts ago. There's not everybody, but there are some people now nationally that are looking at this and going, you know, this program should win this year. They, we we should expect, we should expect them to win. Uh, And then when you dig into the roster, as I did, I think I wrote 5,000 some words on this uh, program kind of, and some of it forward looking into the season they're pretty well built uh, to have another run this year. I mean, they're, they, they have several positions where they look absolutely stacked. Well, just, just a linebacker where Chris Oates was, um, if he is not able to play, like I said, DeAndre Square is your anchor there. Uh, and then you've got Jared Casey, likely another starter. Uh, or I mean, Jamin Davis is likely another starter with Jared Casey backing up those two guys. And I'm sure they'll move um, – you know, a freshman in or or one of the outside linebackers, maybe Xavier Peters, they move over to play some inside. But, I mean, because outside they're loaded as well, Boogie Watson and Jordan Wright and J.J. Weaver, those yeah. are your top three. So uh, the top six guys at linebacker are pretty darn good. And if Xavier Peters gets his head on straight, he's your yeah. seventh. Yeah, uh, And then they've got some talent coming in beyond him, but – well, and they, up, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and then you look at the defensive line. I mean, Stoops told oh, me that yeah. this is the most talent he's ever assembled on the defensive line. Rivals ranked position groups in recruiting classes and, and had Kentucky with the third best defensive line recruiting class in America behind only Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, um, amazing. You know, they brought in five guys on the defensive line that were four or five star recruits in one class. And they already had, you know, Quentin Bohanna and Marquand McCall, these massive road graders um you know and josh pascal on the on the outside um and the one thing i was going to add uh about linebacker boogie watson at outside linebacker um i talked to, to stoops a little bit about the comparison uh between him and josh allen you know they were both two-star recruits boogie watson was a two-star recruit as well um and through here are their stats through their junior seasons uh Josh Allen had 20 and a half tackles for loss and 14 and a half sacks. 
And Boogie Watson had eight has eighteen and a half tackles for loss and thirteen and a half sacks, almost identical. Hmm. Yeah. And then of course we know Josh Allen just exploded twenty one and a half tackles for loss and seventeen sacks in his senior year alone. Um, but I asked Stoops a little bit about that, and he said um, he's now doing some really elite things, not just as a pass rusher, but that's what everybody looks at because that's what everybody looks at and catches everybody's eye. But he's also really taking it to another level by playing on his feet, uh, what he's able to do in space, and that presents real challenges for offenses when you're playing a guy that big on the perimeter. He said it takes a special guy to, to be able to do those things, but what he's really liked is he said he saw the model. He saw – the transformation Josh Allen made between his junior yeah. and senior year. And I noticed the same motivation in Boogie's eyes. So, yeah. you know, if they've got a guy who's, you know, potentially a breakout Josh Allen type star um, kind of waiting in the wings, that's what building a program is all about. You know, Stoops has right. said recruit, recruit and develop. Uh, and, and sometimes those are two different things. Sometimes you recruit guys that step in and look like they're ready to play day one. And they got a bunch in this class, this game changing recruiting class they just had. But some of it is finding a two-star guy like Boogie Watson and Josh Allen and spending four years getting them ready to have, you know, the season of their life. And, and that may be the case in this one. Well, for Chris Oates, he was not a two-star. He was a four-star coming out of high school. Uh, he had offers from Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Ohio State. Also, what did him? He, he was teammates with uh, Mike Edwards in high school there at uh, Winton Woods in Ohio. Um, Another thing about him that uh, especially makes it tough for the family is he has five siblings. He's one of six kids. Um, They only list his mom in his bio. So, you know, you're talking about a mother with six kids and, and Chris Oates, um, with an NFL, you know, he's, you know NFL, he's NFL potential, yeah. yeah, for that family to to change that family, uh, and so we're just praying for the best for him, and we'll definitely talk a lot more about football as the rest of the week goes on. Uh, as you mentioned, you've got a comprehensive state of the program uh, coming out later this week on the Athletic, so we'll be looking forward uh, to checking that out. In the meantime, if you have questions for us or you want a topic, a uh, topic you want us to discuss. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore H-E-H. <laughs> I muted my line. I was like saying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Me, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for listening, guys. Uh, get out there um, and enjoy the weather. But if, uh, if it's too hot for you, you can always stay inside and tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On SEC. We'll talk to you. Uh, tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You are locked on Kentucky available on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast locked on. Don't worry. I won't finish. You get the idea.